Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. But this thing about faith doesn't deny the pain. Faith doesn't deny the problem. Faith doesn't deny the mountain in front of me. In your Bible, when Jesus said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this blank, and it would be moved. Because there are people that would say, well, if you name it, you claim it. Jesus didn't say that. He said, there's a mountain there. There's a mountain there. There's a problem there. There's a struggle there. Jesus said, if you've got faith like grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, you can say to this mountain, you can speak to this mountain, you can vocalize to this mountain, you have got to go. See, it's a natural tendency for us to focus, though, more on the mountain than we do the faith that will bring the healing. Listen, speak to your mountain and go on. Tell it it's got to go. And then say, Father, thank you that the mountain is gone. Thank you that the mountain is being moved. And when I get up in the morning, I'm going to say, Father, thank you that the mountain is moving. See, that's this thing about faith. You can't dwell on the mountain. You got to speak to it and then go on. Listen, the other morning, I think it was Monday morning. Mondays Mondays are are kind of rough for me because you know you empty out on Sunday. It's got it's like a glass of water you you have it full coming in on Sunday, and then by Sunday night about 9 o'clock, you're just... And then you wake up on Monday morning, and you And so I got up on Monday morning, and I was dealing with some, with some issues and with some situations, and, and so it was late when I got up. So I went down to my shed, and my shed's all tore, tore all the pieces. It's disorganized, and that drives me crazy. And 
got one of the walls tore out. I got all my, my stuff, my tools laying on the floor. It just drives me crazy. Judy's chickens get in there now, and they roost on my stuff, and I was mad at the chickens. And, and I was mad at Judy for having the chickens and, and, and all that. And I was standing in, in the middle of my shed, man, and I was just about to throw me one big pity party because I was facing some problems and stuff like that. And it was like the Holy Spirit just said, Stop. Stop. Look around. And I looked around and I, I saw all my, my stuff laying on the floor. I saw where them chickens had gotten in there and, and scratching around all my tools and stuff. And because I'm, I'm in the middle of, of changing some things up, so I had to open it up. The Holy Spirit said, look around. And as I began to look around, the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, you're in the middle of some changes. He said, what you're seeing is disorder. He said, but disorder had to take place in order for order to come back. He said, because the process is the process. But you're not seeing the result. So anyway, I said, okay, I can't, I can't fuss about the chickens anymore or anything like that. So I just began to pray. And I began to lay a situation out before the Lord that was really burdening me. And, and I laid it out. I prayed. God strengthened me and encouraged me. I got up, went back to the house, uh, and, and got ready and, and were, was headed out. And before I got to the end of the driveway, that situation had turned totally around. See, sometimes we stress over stuff that God says, if you will just give it to me, I'll give you peace about it, and I'll sustain you, and I'm going to bless you through it. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Brother Justin, can you and Brother Destin bring that that table right over here. Brother Dwayne, you can stay right there, brother. You're fine. Y'all want to just hang out? Yeah. We're about to have communion. But I want to share, just real quickly, I want to share this, this word.
Holy Spirit just really began to deal with me about this uh, yesterday. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, and we're going to begin with verse 8. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 8. promise you I'm not going to be long. Some of y'all said, yeah, right. Amen. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 8, beginning with verse 8. Thank you for standing as we honor the reading of the, the Word of God. Just to kind of bring you up to what's going on here, Joshua and the children of Israel have gathered at the Jordan River uh, and they're about to cross over the Jordan River and go into the promised land. Uh, and so Joshua has sent out two spies to go into Jericho because Jericho was that first enemy that had to fall. Jericho was the gateway to the promised land. You defeat Jericho, the rest of the promised land is open to you. If Jericho defeats you, you might as well stay on this side of Jordan. So Jericho was that place that had to be defeated. And so God told Joshua, send two spies into Jericho and let them spy it out. And so you can get a strategy on how uh, that I want you to deal with this enemy. But there was another reason Two, that God wanted to send two spies into Jericho. And it's one of the most amazing things when you get to thinking about it that will blow your mind on the goodness and the mercy and the, the all-seeing eye of God is that God had one prostitute. One prostitute among the thousands of people that were in Jericho, God had one prostitute that he had put a finger on and said, I want to give that one an opportunity. So the two spies were in there. They were spying it out. Uh, news got to the king there that they were there. So he began uh, to uh, set things about to catch them and to get them because he didn't want them spying out his city. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 8, they had, they had took uh, shelter in uh, Rahab's uh, house, and the Bible says that before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know, and I want to stop right there, I know. That word, no. That word, no, in the Hebrew is yada, yada. And the word yada, no, is a verb. It is not a noun, it is a verb, meaning that it is a word of action, meaning that it is not just a complacent, not, not just a dormant word, but it is a word of action. I didn't learn a lot in English, but one thing I did learn is that when you have a verb, it is an active word. Amen? This is Rahab the harlot 
that is speaking to these two men. And she said this, I know. In other words, to know by observing, to know by reflecting, to know by thinking, and to know by experiencing. I know the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land melt before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also will deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father, mother, brothers, and sisters and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. The men said to her, Our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall so that she lived in the wall. And she said to them, Go to the hills. The pursuers will encounter you and hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Then afterward you may go your way. The men said to her, We will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Verse 18, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down, and you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all your father's household. Verse 19, Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be his own, on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your word, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Father, thank you today for your word. Guide us, Holy Spirit, in your word, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can take your seat. Thank you so much for standing this story that we just read is similar in many ways to Exodus chapter 12 when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt uh, on the night before they came out you remember God told them to take a lamb to slay the lamb take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost and the side post of their homes everyone was to stay in the house that had been covered by the blood as they stayed in the house, they were under the protection of God, and God would protect them and bless them. So it is with Scar uh, Rahab in her house where the scarlet cord had been let down. Uh, everybody that stayed in that house would be saved and protected. Anybody outside of that house 
were out from under the covering and the blessing of God, which is a picture. Uh, Exodus 12 is a picture of Christ that would be sacrificed on the cross of Calvary. The top of the door was, had blood over it. The side of the door had blood over it, which was a picture of the cross. Jesus on the cross, the blood shed on the cross. That same uh, principle applies to us today. When we're under the blood, when we're covered by the blood, God's blessing and protection is upon us. But I want to I wanna talk about something specific today. And, and it's already, we've kind of uh, talked about it already in the service, but God dealt with me about this, that we spend so much time talking about what the devil has done and how the enemy has been fighting us and how hard the struggle has been in our lives. And, uh, and we've been fighting the devil all week, and we've been in a struggle all week, and we've been battling all week. And what has resulted from that is that we are walking around in a gloom and disparity of life, uh, barely making it from one day to the other. In many aspects of that, the words that are coming out of our mouth are merely just fueling what's going on in our natural life. The problems that, that we're talking about over and over and over in our lives and, 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 the word, and how we're focusing on those things. Listen, there, there comes a time, ladies and gentlemen, that we've got to have a change of, of, of mind or a change of vocabulary or a change of the way that we're wording our lives because our words are, are, are steering currents for our lives in many cases. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get your, your child out of bed in the morning and, and get them dressed for school and say, you're going to have a terrible day today. You're going to fall today and skin your knee, and, and as you're getting up, you're going to scratch your finger, and, and uh, somebody's going to poke you in the eye today, and, and your eye's going to hurt like crazy, and, and you're going to come home, and you're going to be crying and weeping and, and depressed and all that. We don't do that. But yet, if we're not careful, we will walk around with that same mentality in our spirit that says, I'm, I'm just having a terrible day today. I'm having the worst time today. Listen, I want you to understand something this morning, that if we're not careful, we will get to thinking that the kingdom of God is losing ground. We'll get, we'll get this idea, this concept that, that everything is going to hell in a handbasket and, and the kingdom of God is not being able to rise above the evil that's going on in our culture. It, it, it lets us see how that about 40 years earlier, from this time with Joshua chapter 2, about 40 years earlier, the children of Israel were standing in the same place, about to go over into the same land. They had sent spies in to spy it out. But the report of the spies came back. Moses 
and all of them were there. And the spies came back and said, it is a beautiful land. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we've seen it afar. Oh, I wish I could sing. It's a beautiful land, Moses. We got these grapes, man, to prove it. But we can't take it. Because we saw men there that were huge. We saw giants there. And we're nothing but grasshoppers, to make a long story short, because they saw themselves as grasshoppers. And because they saw themselves as not being able to do what God had already told them they could do. You see, you got to be careful that the words coming out of your mouth are not contrary to the promise that God has already given you. That's revelation right there. You need to get it. you got to be careful that you're not saying, I can't do something, that the Word of God has already said, you can do that. you got to line your speech up with what God's Word says, not what Oprah says, not what somebody else says, not what some program says. But line your mouth up with the Word of God. You got messes in your family? Line your mouth up with what God said about your family. You got children in rebellion? Then line your mouth up with what God said about your children. You got things going on in your body? Line your mouth up with what God said about your body and your mind. Blessed is he whose mind is stayed upon the Lord. See, but that same group of people wound up going back the other way. And 40 years later, they're standing here again. But there's something different this time. You see, there are times that, that we have to get the revelation That can only come from God. Let me tell you something about your relationship with God and the Word of God. The Bible is a history book or a book of revelation of the kingdom of God advancing in the midst of darkness, in the face of much opposition. The Bible is filled with men and examples of men and women who rose out of the pits of obscurity, who rose out of the, 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 the trash heaps of society, and they overcame their past. They overcame the problems of yesterday. They defeated the demons of darkness that had bound them up yesterday. And they rose up. Men who were no names. Women who were no names. And they rose up. Why? Because they simply believed the word of God that said, If you will believe, you will see. And the Bible is replete with example after example of men and women that overcame great 
problems and struggles to impact their society. Very seldom in Scripture do we find where God took men or women that were on the top of the echelon of society and did anything with them. But God majors on people that are in the mess heaps of the world that are broken and disgusted and frustrated and don't know what they're going to do on the next day. But God raises them up and says, I can do something great in your life. Listen, the kingdom of God is always moving forward and advancing. It doesn't matter what I see with my eyes. It doesn't matter if I see and I look and I say I'm losing ground here. I'm losing this battle. I have to recognize that the kingdom of God within me is not backing down from darkness, but it is moving forward. I have to recognize that every move of my hand and every step of my foot is ordered by the Lord. Listen, Jesus didn't come and give himself on the cross of Calvary. He didn't stand up in the synagogue and say, I'm here. We got a lot of problems. I don't know if I'll be able to overcome them. Jesus didn't come and step out on the streets of the city of Jerusalem and look at the sick folk, the blind men, the halt, and the lame and say, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do anything for you or not. He didn't look at the woman at the well of Samaria and said, you've had too many husbands. Your life is too messed up. You've gone too far. I don't know if I'll be able to redeem you or not. He never said that. Why? Because Jesus was the light of the world that had walked into darkness and said the light has come and darkness has got to go. Listen, John chapter 1 and verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shone in darkness, but the darkness comprehended it not. Listen, recognize this. If you are a child of God, God's put light in you. You are light. You're not going to be light. You are light right now. But even Jesus came into the world as light in the darkness. And the Bible says that the darkness did not comprehend his light. So don't let people who don't recognize your light get you down. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, gave he power to become the sons or daughters of God. I, I got to get to Rahab. Rahab was a harlot. She aided the spies that God had sent to the city of Jericho to escape. She was saved from destruction. God redeemed her. 
She put the scarlet cord, which represents, I believe, the blood of Jesus out the window of her home, which was a mark on her home that the blood has been applied to my home. That scarlet cord represented the fact that no destruction can come in this house. It was a mark that was set there. Listen, it was a mark that was set there by a woman who had never been in contact with the Jewish faith. It was a mark that was set there by a woman that had heard the good news of Jesus and said, you know what? This is better than the mess that I've been living in. I'm going to follow him. She had seen with her eyes. She had been around thousands of people whose hearts had melted when they heard that the children of Israel had crossed the Red Sea. But she was the only one whose heart had melted to the point that said, I have got to be with this God. I want to tell you something because I believe that there are people that are in this room today that are listening to me and you have got family, you have got children, you have got loved ones that are as far away from God as they could be. As a matter of fact, they're in total rebellion against God and you have prayed, you have cried, and you said, God, when will my family be turned around? But God sent me here today with the assignment on my back to tell you that there's a scarlet cord that if you will drop it out of your life and let it hang there and dangle God said I'm going to do something in your family let me, let me say it like this there are those that are there's somebody that's sitting here today whether you're watching in li on live stream but somebody is listening to me this morning that you have been you have tried everything possible to get things fixed in your family and in your home, but nothing has worked. But God brought me here this morning to tell you, you have heard the gospel and you have rejected it. You have looked around and you have seen men and women that uh, were lovers of Jesus and you've wondered how can they smile in the midst of adversity. You have been around the gospel, but you have never accepted Jesus. Therefore, you are still in the mess that you're in. And can I preface that with this? You will never get out of the mess that you're in until you make a change of lifestyle and give Jesus your life. There's got to be an active movement, ladies and gentlemen, that says, these people are here. I recognize God is in their midst. I recognize where I've been living and dwelling. That is no God nowhere around. My life is in a mess, so I'm either going to drop this blood stain line out in my house and make a decision to follow Jesus or I'm not going to experience his grace here's the thing that I believe is I believe it's important sir or ma'am that you recognize that you need Jesus the blood has got to be applied to your life without the shedding of blood there is no remission of your sin 
That's the reason Jesus came and died on the cross for you. There's got to be blood. There's got to be sacrificial blood shed for you on the cross of Calvary. It has already been done. She puts this scarlet cord out. You know the story. They marched around Jericho seven days on the seventh day. They marched around it seven times. The walls fell down. They crumbled down. Everything in the city was destroyed except one house. Rahab's house. Let me tell you something. And here's and I and I'm gonna close. Rahab made the decision to obey what she had seen and heard, and she put the scarlet cord out. That scarlet cord represented a mark. It rep it represented a mark that she had been marked by God, that there was nothing that could destroy, nothing that could hinder what God was going to do in her life. She was a harlot. Listen to me real closely. She was a prostitute. But God put a hand on her. God put a finger on her. It doesn't say it in Scripture, but God said, I love you. So her family was saved. Her brothers and sisters, her mom and dad was saved. That's pretty awesome. But can I tell you something? The story doesn't end there. Because thousands of years later, somebody named Matthew, who himself, was a low-down tax collector. Sat down, and as God breathed on him, he began to write out a genealogy of a man called Jesus. You know what a genealogy is? He begat her. No, he begat him. He begat him. Matthew began to write out the genealogy of the bloodline of Jesus. If you read in the Old Testament, you will never see where a genealogy is listed out that has women's names in it. It's always the men. But when Matthew began to pin the genealogy of Jesus, guess who is involved and included in that genealogy Rahab she is one of four women Ruth is another one one of four women that's included in the genealogy of Jesus Christ let me read it to you Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5 and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab in other words, a man named Salmon married Rahab. They had a son. 
His name was Boaz. Boaz married a woman named Ruth. They had a son whose name was Obed. They called him Obi. Obed had a son whose name was Jesse. Jesse had a son whose name was David, known as King David. You ain't getting what I'm saying here. See, I got, I got some family limbs on my tree that I've cut off. I don't know who they are. Because I want all my family to tree, my family tree, I want all of them to be right. I want them to, to well represent the Phillips name. So if they don't represent the Phillips name in the right way, I just cut them off. You can do that in Ancestry.com by the right click on a mouse. You gone. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't even fool with Ancestry.com. But all of y'all are probably like that. You probably got things in your family and people in your family that you want to just kind of clip them out. But you know, the thing about God, the thing about the beauty of the one that we serve is that Jesus didn't look and say, Matthew, don't include Rahab in that now because you know where she came from. And, 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 and don't put Ruth in there either because you know she was a Moabite. But the mercy of God says, I want you to include Rahab in that genealogy. Because thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, when they're talking about it on Sunday morning in McCullough Christian Center, perhaps they might be somebody that's sitting there that feels like they can never get up to the to the standard that the church has set for them and they feel like they'll never be able to overcome the past and the mess of their past he said so I want you to put Rahab's name there to let all of them know that they can rise up they can get above all the mess and they can overcome that stuff and I'm going to say this and I'm going to close and I promise So Rahab's name is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 31 in the, in the Hall of Faith thing, Hall of Fame faith. I don't know. She's mentioned there with all 
the big wheels of faith. James chapter 2 and verse 25, James mentioned Rahab about her, that she was justified by her works. Now here's what I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm going to close, and I want you to hear me real quick. I see this over and over and over in the lives of men and women. I've seen it in my own family that would have a past of drug addiction or alcoholism or wife abuse or husband abuse or child abuse or something like that. And I've seen people just just families that were just without God. And I watched as their children would reproduce and reproduce and continue to reproduce the alcoholism, the drug addiction, the harlotries, the adulteries, and all these things, and they would just continue to reproduce. And I watched men and women that have made decisions for Jesus Christ that would stand up in the middle of all that mess and say, I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen. And I watched men that would make that stand and plant their feet solid and say, I'm not going to live like I used to live. I'm not going to follow the precepts that I used to follow, but I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to drop this scarlet cord out the window. Amen. And I'm going to be one that has been marked by the blood of Jesus Christ. My family was messed up. My daddy was messed up. My granddaddy was messed up. My mama was messed up. My grandmother was messed up. But I'm stopping it today. And I watched them as they would make that stand. And they would declare the blood of Jesus. And I watched how the blood of Jesus would separate it and stop it. And that curse would not be able to go any further because where the blood has been applied. Listen, man, I, I hope you're getting what I'm saying. And I know I'm going around Egypt to get to, to Uriah, but... but but we're getting there, okay? I want you to understand this, sir and ma'am. There's got to be a time in your life where you will put your foot down and say, I will no longer follow the path of my past and I'll no longer allow my children to follow the mess that I followed all my life. I don't know how it's going to happen, and I don't know how it's going to work, but I plead the blood of Jesus over my life, and I stop the curse that's been against me. Hallelujah. I watched my grandfather. I didn't watch him. He did it actually before I was ever born. I watched my, my grandfather and grandmother from a life of, of Families of, of just a mess. And my grandfather, my, my uh, grandfather Phillips, made a stand and, and gave his life to Christ. And he had a son named Henson Phillips that grew up 
and was a bootlegger that ran whiskey and all of that. But he made his way to an old-fashioned church one night where a woman was preaching a revival. Sister Vester Caprara was preaching a revival at a little church down the road. And my dad went there that night and gave Jesus his life. And the curse was stopped there. And listen, I watched my brothers as they come up, and I watched uh, that curse as it would pull on them, the alcoholism and the drug addiction. But listen, when there's a praying mama and a praying daddy there, that alcohol addiction can't stay. And I watched as it pulled on them. But you know what? The curse had been broken, and all it could do was dangle some stuff out there. I watched that carry down through my family. Man, it's hard to stop. But if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. One decision, one decision can change the culture of your entire family for generations to come.